Welcome to Talking Facts, and thank you for tuning in to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts, a podcast collaboration between the University of Kentucky Markey Cancer Center and the UK College of Agriculture, Food and Environment's Cooperative Extension Service. We will share with you the latest developments in cancer prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and research from the experts at Markey Cancer Center, Kentucky's only National Cancer Institute designated cancer center. Talking Facts is hosted by the UK Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Joan Scales with the Marquis Cancer Center Psych Oncology Department. Joan is the Program Director as well as a licensed clinical social worker. Welcome, Joan. Thanks for having me today. So, Joan, one of the things that I appreciate about our Cancer Conversation series that we do with Marquee is our opportunity to bring in experts that on, on a variety of subject matter and topics so that we can learn more and be in, more informed about potential types of cancer, screenings, diagnoses, et cetera. Today, you're really joining us to really focus on that theme of Cancer Conversation and the idea of communication. And today we're really going to talk about how if an individual or a family member has a cancer diagnosis, how they might communicate that information to their children. And so thank you for joining us and excited to get us kicked off. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to just talk, and I love how you talk about the communication because I think that's going to be the essential theme of our conversation today is making sure how we can communicate this information to children of all ages. Yeah. And that's really kind of where, where I wanted to start is that when, when I think about children, that this conversation is going to be different if we're talking to a, a little one, a pre-K age child versus talking to a teenager. So what I was hoping to do today is kind of walk through the different ages and how a parent may engage their children around this this very, very difficult conversation. Because as a parent, I just can't imagine how hard this is to have with their children at home. So let's start, let's start with those little ones, kind of our three, four-year-olds, and we'll work our way up to teenagers. Sounds great. With the little ones, they're going to sense the disruption in the the day-to-day routines. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to doctor's appointments or we're taking a loved one to doctor's appointments. We're going together. Both the parents are gone. We're being left with either another family or relative, someone who's going to be caregiving for them. So it's important for, for regardless of the age, first of all, that we use the word cancer. I think that's really important. A lot of times, um, you know, we want to protect our babies and we try to say mommy's sickness or grandpa's sickness, whatever it might be, right? But we want to use that actual word cancer. So for three to four-year-olds, you don't have to go into a lot of great detail. You don't want to overwhelm them with information. You know, children of that age particularly have a short attention span. So you might sit down to have this conversation and they'll be like, okay. And then they just walk away and they carry about whatever they were doing. And you think, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting, right? I think also at that age, we want to make sure that we are um, finding the right opportunity, the right moment. You don't want to do it when um, when they're going to be more irritable or maybe they're a little hangry. Maybe it's that four to six o'clock at time at my house when my kids were that age. That was always a really challenging time. Yes, yes. Um, you want to get it, make sure that they're fed and um, 
You want to make sure that um, there's not distractions. You're not running out the door for this, that, or the other. You just want to find this a little bit of time during that time where you can sit down and have a conversation without distraction. And I want to circle back because I really think it's a key point that you mentioned there about using the word cancer, because even as an adult, it's a scary word. It's a scary word to say. So just the importance, I think, of normalizing that with children so that that they understand they can say the word too. Absolutely. We want to make sure that if they're going to watch for us for cues. And if we can say the words and we can have the conversation, then they know at some point in time, they're going to be able to come back and have that conversation with you as well. They might come back and randomly ask little things and they want to know, are you going to the doctor? Are you going to see the cancer doctor tonight? Yes, mom's going to the cancer doctor. And you just continue to offer those assurances. I also recommend trying to keep the routine a little bit as normal as you can, right? Um, So there's going to have to be a lot of probably dividing and conquering between family members and supportive people in your life. You know, just trying to make sure that, you know, we're still going to to, um, preschool at the same time and we're getting picked up at the same time. And while that pickup person or dropping off person might be a little bit different every now and again, that there's still that consistency and structure in their routine. How about our kiddos that are a little bit older? So maybe our elementary school age children. So again, you know, using that word cancer is going to be the big thing. Um, and now with these kids, they're kind of starting to understand that um, maybe death could be a possibility. They know people who've had cancer. Maybe they've had friends who have had somebody who they've lost cancer or maybe have just gone through, you know, some kind of relationship with somebody who had this illness. And so that's going to probably be one of their first thoughts is, okay, well, I know this person said their grandma had it and they didn't survive. So they might come and ask you, you know, are you going to die? And you want to be honest. You want to be hopeful. And you could say something along the lines of, um, I'm getting really good doctor care for my oncologist here at wherever I'm getting my treatment. I think I'm going to do really well. The doctors are going to try to do everything they possibly can to help me. But yes, sometimes people do die for cancer, but I have every confidence in my doctors right now. And just trying to kind of summarize it and offer it on that hopeful note, but yet being realistic. Yeah. So I have a nine-year-old at home and I could just see her asking lots and lots and lots of questions, especially after it's had time to sink in, especially after that initial conversation and she's had a little bit of time to process. I can just see her coming back with a tremendous amount of questions. How as a parent do you handle those questions? Again, you want to find the right times to answer it. You know, sometimes, um, you know, if they're wanting, if you're wanting to uh, get into bed or if it's nine o'clock at night, you might need to say something like, okay, let's table those. Those are excellent questions. You want to acknowledge that first. And I want to answer those. But let's find a time where we can do it together as a family. So let's do it. And you designate that time and then you follow up on that time, right? You, and at that age, at school age, sometimes you, depending on the maturity of the child, you may want to go into a lot of detail. It sounds like your daughter especially is going to want detail. Um, and so knowing chemotherapy, what is that? What is it like? How are you going to feel? What is radiation? How does that feel like? How often do you have to go? You know, answering all those details as best as you can is great. Then you're going to have some of those other kids who are like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do this special medicine at the doctor's office. I'm going to have to go once a week, every uh, for three weeks. And then I get a week for a break and they're like, okay. And then they walk away. Right. right? <laughs> so it just kind of depends on the child. Well, and sometimes I think she cares more about the questions than she does the actual answers. <laughs> So how about our tweens and teens? Do you address those two age groups differently? And um, if so, how? 
So again, I think it's the maturity of the child. So you just kind of want to meet them where they are, want to use that word cancer. Again, with the, even this group too, you want to find it at an ideal time when they're not distracted. You know, you don't want to bust into your teenager's room when they're on the Xbox and say, hey, we need to have this talk, right? right. So maybe giving them a little bit of warning. Hey, I'm going to talk to you in about 15 minutes. Um, when you're done with that game, come out here to the kitchen and we'll all talk. And they'll be like, well, what's going on? And yeah. so, you know, so um, you want to find that ideal time. You definitely want to use the word cancer again. And at this age, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about um, like what your nine-year-old, it sounds like, where they're just going to want to know some detail. What kind of cancer? What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Um, They're going to want to know, uh, is it contagious? No, it's not. You want to offer those assurances. Still give me hugs, you know, in cases if it hurts, I'll let you know. Sometimes we might have to modify how we're getting a hug. Um, If you think there's going to be surgery involved, letting them know those details. Oftentimes you find too that you know, especially those tweener age, sometimes they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed by the fact that maybe you have, um, are going to have some hair loss because that's probably the one of the big things that is always a sign that somebody has cancer. So, you know, hey, let's go week shopping together. We can go and do this together. And it involving them in that. If you're having a day, the loved one who's with the cancer is having a bad day, can they take a part in your care? Can they bring you your medicine? Can they, you know, help you? you know, get your shoes on when you're getting ready to get out the door. You know, what are some little things that they can do to incorporate? But allows them to be involved. That they feel, them to be they involved. feel part of the process or, or helping, exactly. helping the process. Exactly. When I think, so I also have a 16-year-old at home. And when I think about him and his lived experiences, his life experiences, that, um, you know, my husband and I may know several of his friends, families that may have had a cancer diagnosis, but he may not have known that as a, as a child gr- growing up, that it maybe it wasn't something that the kids talked about or the parent recovered fairly quickly. It was a fairly minor, caught early, whatever it may be. But he has an instance or two of where the parent was really sick or unfortunately the parent passed away. And so I think in his mind, based on his lived experience of what he's seen from others is that he only knows the really bad, that he doesn't really have these other experiences because they just weren't they just weren't talked about that much. It just wasn't out in front. Well, that parent was still always at the ball field and that, but you, you, you know, that he didn't realize that that was going on in, in other children's lives. So how do you kind of coach them through that conversation? Because I feel like, especially kind of that teenage, if, if the only thing they know are those negative experiences, how do you, how do you walk them through that? So again, you want to kind of meet them where they are, um, especially with teens. We know that anytime we try to force our teen to do anything, that they're going to just kind of further shut down. True. So you, so you want to keep that communication open. You might want to be talking about it. You might want to say, let's talk about this. I've got this going on this day. I've got this appointment and this is what's going to happen. And they might be like, whoa, that's too much. I don't want to know. And I don't have any questions. And you'll be like, are you sure? Because, you know, I, I want to talk about it. And they'll be like, yeah. And then one day you'll be two months after that, you'll be in the kitchen washing dishes. And this is a true story. Mom was washing dishes and the teen comes up behind her and says, are you going to die? And she's like, I about dropped the dish. And like, where the heck does this come from? You know, right. um, so you just have to be prepared to meet them where they are when they are ready to talk about it um, and letting them know that it's OK to ask questions. You know, might you might poke your head in their bedroom door one night and say, hey, I just want to check in on you. You doing OK? You have any questions for me? Do you need to know anything? They'll be like, no, I'm fine. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and then you shut the door. 
but they'll surprise you. Um, I've always found, personally speaking, that some of the t- most opportune moments are in the car driving mm-hmm. um, and my kids are in the back seat and I'm like driving and someone's going to ask something and all of a sudden I'll be like, whoa, where'd that come from? Yeah. And you try not to react when they right, ask. Right. Sometimes they like to ask just to get that reaction. Right? Yeah. No. So, uh, but there are some opportune times to do that. So we just want to meet them where they are and help them understand that it's okay to ask questions. So we've talked quite a bit about if a parent, an immediate family member, someone living in the household with the child has a cancer diagnosis. What about maybe a more extended family member or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle? How much information should you be communicating to your children about that individual? Uh, My approach and the generalized approach is to be as honest as you can. We don't want to um, keep anything from them. But it also depends upon the relationship that the child shares with that that loved one. If there's somebody who lives two states away and you never get to see them, but yet they have some occasional communication, we want to just you know send some positive notes, encouraging words, some phone calls, let the kids again know that they can come to you and ask questions if they have any. If this um, person, if this child shares a very close relationship with this family member, then we want to try to involve them in that. And again, we want to keep them in, informed. We want to let them know what are some things that we can do to help grandma. You know, let's send her flowers. Let's send her a card. Let's go over and although the teenagers will still hate this, they'll, they'll be glad they did it. Let's go and pull the weeds and plant some flowers for grandma right now, right? Because she can't do it herself, right? So finding some of those little tasks where they might kind of initially push back, but then they'll be really glad they did it. And just trying to have let them have a role in per se in what they do. And sometimes with teens, especially, and sometimes with middle schools too, and middle schoolers too, you see that they do just kind of want to withdraw. They don't want to. So again, and that communication is really going to be pivotal. Say, you know, you seem really moody these days. Are you sure you don't have any questions about grandma? Is there something that you want to do? You know, could we do something special for her? And they'll be like, no, I'm fine. And then again, they'll surprise you and they'll come up and they'll ask you questions. Um, so just letting them have that ability and that um, comfort level to communicate when they're ready. As a parent, how do you recognize in your children when they may need to talk to someone else? Maybe they need to, to um, have some outside help or someone outside the family to talk to. What kind of signs do you really look for to say, okay, maybe we can't manage this internally, or maybe my child would really benefit from talking to someone else besides me? How, what signs do you look for? Great question. So in your middle schoolers and your and your teens, you're going to probably look for a little bit of that withdrawing behavior. Um, if your kid was a straight A student and now they're having trouble cranking out these and maybe they're getting some C's, um, that's also going to be a warning sign. You know, they're not having a little bit more trouble maybe paying attention, paying in school in school, so their grades are kind of dropping. If they are not wanting to go to activities that normally they would have been really engaged in, if you had a kid who was engaged with band or dance or something like that, and all of a sudden they're kind of like, eh, they're not really wanting to do that. That's also another um, sign that maybe there are some things going on. You could ask them if they want to speak to a professional, you know, and get them an appointment with a, a therapist in the community or at the cancer center. Sometimes we can, the cancer center has staff like myself who are equipped to be able to speak about these things um, and just trying to reach out and get the support for them in place. And um, the guidance counselor at school is also really helpful um, and making sure that if there is something you could notify the guidance counselor so they could also be on the lookout for it and um, watching for signs and symptoms. Uh, with the young kids, you're going to see things like all of a sudden um, they're going to notice those changes in the routine, those distractions. Uh, maybe um, mom is having to take her mom to treatments or, um, you know, 
their mom is just being pulled away. So they might get a little bit more clingy. So if you see some of that separation anxiety, um, that's that could be very normal part of the process. You might also see something along the lines of um, just changes in behaviors, things that they didn't normally would bother them before all of a sudden are just like catastrophic in nature, right? And they're going to cause royal meltdowns. Um, so those are some of the behaviors you watch. Sometimes you have a child who was a bedwetter and then they stop and they haven't done it. And all of a sudden they're wetting the bed again. Right. So those are some um, typical Regression. behaviors that you can kind of see. Yeah. Yeah. Regression. Exactly. Joan, thank you so much for joining us today and for having this this conversation just to encourage additional conversation at home. Because again, I think communication is key, probably about a lot of things in life in terms of um, helping helping our children feel more comfortable. But especially when when a parent is is struggling, um, letting letting them know that, you know, mom and dad are here for them and willing to talk to them and help them through this process, I think is, is really important. That's exactly it. Communication, communication, communication. Excellent. Thank (laughs) Thank you you. again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Cancer Conversations on Talking Facts. Our goal is to connect you with the latest advances in cancer research in the Commonwealth. If you enjoyed today's podcast and have a suggestion for a future show topic, please message us on the UK Markey Cancer Center Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash UK Markey or visit our website at markey.uky.edu for more information. You can find University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension programs at your local Extension office or online at fcs.uky.edu. Building strong families, Building Kentucky. It starts with us.